All right, so today we are concluding our theme for the month, and we are speaking under the subtitle, The Nuts and Bolts of Vision. Uh, we, we couldn't complete that last week, so I'd like us to continue on that. You do remember that our main text is Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. The American Standard Bible reads, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The New American Standard Bible reads, where there's no vision, the people are demoralized. The Spanish Bible says, where there is no vision, the people run like wild, untamed horses. The purpose of our lesson today is to help us to move from where we have vision written on paper to that vision being a living reality. I'm finding that that is one of the biggest challenges that is there for us as people, to take what we've learned and to put it into practical reality. And I know I'm kind of exaggerating there, but practical reality. You know, James talks about this when he talks about faith and works. And he says, faith without works is dead. One translation says, Faith without corresponding action is dead. In other words, he's saying, if you claim to have faith in God, it's got to be followed by certain outward acts. You can't just say you have faith in God when your works and your acts do not collaborate that fact. The fact that you have faith in God, there is a certain way of living and behaving that come as a result of your internalized faith. So faith is not just about what you internalize, what's in the heart. It works itself out in the way you live. And James goes further. He says, if you are just a hearer of the word, okay, you're just listening to the word, you're listening to teaching, but you're not a doer thereof, he says this person has deceived themselves. He says that they are like the one, a person going to a mirror, looking at themselves in the mirror, and then when they walk away, they forget how they look like. Then he says, this person will not be blessed in his deeds. So in other words, the whole reason and the purpose of us preaching and teaching like we're doing now is that people should take what they hear, hear in church and practice it, right? In other words, preaching and teaching should result in changed lives. If you say you are a believer, yeah? Like we say in my own language, so we have to see it in the way you live. There's no way we don't have to do ukshuguti, you know. So your, 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 your way of living should actually bear testimony to the fact that you have faith in your heart. So when I talk about the nuts and bolts of vision, the expression nuts and bolts simply means the practical facts about something. So what is what are the practical steps that we take to move from vision to vision being fulfilled? What happens? You know, I've got vision. I know what I want to do. I have all the things I've learned about vision, and I've written it down. I've done all of that. But how do I move from that what I've written on paper to it being a reality in my life? What are the things that are needed? So I'm going to go through seven of them. I hope we'll cover all of them. Seven of them things that are important that you're going to need on this journey. You know, Dr. Miles Monroe, many of you, you've read his books, you've listened to his sermon, made an incredible statement once when he was talking about purpose. And he says, you know, there are many people who live in this world never ever fulfilling the purpose for which God brought them into this world. People have gifts and talents, but they just never get to a point where what they have inside is a, full, it's a living reality and it's fulfilled. He says there's many people who have books in their hearts, but they never wrote those books. They've got music in them, but they never composed those songs. And, and he says there are many people who live and die without us finding out who they really were. And then he went further to say, you know, the, 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 the richest places in the world is not the minefields of South Africa or the gold fields in other places, but it is the graves. Because in those graves are men and women who were buried with dreams that were inside of them. If only people could have lived out those dreams and could have put that into practicality. So in this lesson, I'm trying to encourage you 
right? That whatever vision you wrote down, whatever you're inspired to do this year, it can become a reality. Tell your, tell your neighbor, neighbor, we need to move from theory to reality. Yeah, just tell them, we need to move from theory to reality. Yeah, we need to move from theory to reality. Because you see, Masalana, you can, you, you can make the assumption that you've heard this sermon and you've been blessed this whole month. Uh, 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 that you've been blessed this whole month doesn't mean your life has changed. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't mean your life has changed. It just means you were blessed. Yeah, but you have to move beyond being blessed to where it is a living reality. Right? Many people who live in this world who are greatly talented, gifted people, but they just never have anything working out in their lives. Right? They are great people, great thinkers. They know how to talk. They know how to write. They know how to convince. Ay, man. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope I won't have my name. Okay. All right. Here are the steps. Number one. Number one. And I'm, I don't have them in any particular order. I just have one, two, three. Yes. Number one. Vision involves change. Remember that. Remember that. In other words, as a visionary, you'll understand that vision is going to demand you to move into something different to what you're used to because remember our definition now, vision is a picture of a preferable future. So when you have vision, you don't get locked in what you are at that time or where you are at that time, right? Because you have a picture of something different to where you are at that time. So once you start moving into the fulfillment of your vision, you have to adapt and you have to change. Did you understand what I'm saying? So vision demands change or it involves change. Now write this down. The visionary person is one who appreciates the past. They live in the present, but they think in the future. Now, change is hard to embrace. And sometimes problems and difficulties are good because they leapfrog us into change. Now, I gave this example in the 7 o'clock service. You know, most of these apps that we're using now uh, for, 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 for online conferencing, you know, uh, we have uh, Teams and uh, give them to me. We have Zoom. In this section, in this section, in this section. I'll go to other people who watch Teams and Zoom. Skype. Yeah, Skype is the old one. I used to use Skype. Mara. No, 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 no. Skype is still correct. I know you use Skype, but it's okay. You're on Skype. What else? What else? Huh? What? Google, Google Mix. Google Mix. And what else? Come on. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Hello? Oh, what's up? Shem, what's up? <laughs> hey, they're saying it passionately. What's up? Now, how many of you realize that all these apps were there pre-COVID? They, they were there, they were there, they were there, they were there. All these apps, they were there. You may not have downloaded them on your phone, but they were all there. Before COVID, before lockdown. They were all there, but we were not using them. Mara, they were there. Are you there? And when crisis came, right, we were forced. We were forced to use those apps. And we had to adapt. I remember the first Sunday, and oh, I didn't download that picture. I wish. Did you give them the picture? You didn't give them the picture, Shem. We have a picture here of the first Sunday where I had to do. Oh, there we are. Yeah. This, what, what date was this? Do you remember? I don't remember what day that is. This is the first Sunday when we, okay, let me backtrack. Thankfully, we've, we've, been always, we've been online as a church, all right? We've been on Facebook and so on. Thank God for that. But, but on this particular Sunday, we couldn't have church. We were at level five year lockdown, something like that. Couldn't go to church, right? So we then had signed a contract with, with a, uh, so we to TV, which is still on even now, that we will put our services on television and then would go on live TV. You know, live TV is problematic. Because what, 
once you go live on television, you have to stick to the time allocated, and it happens in real time. No mistakes, no take two, no oops. No, no, you, you, you just have to do it. Yeah. So on this Sunday, let's, let's, let's have that picture. This Sunday, this was the first Sunday, and here's the team of young people. And there's Dr. Bogota there. At the back, the third gentleman, or the one who's directly behind me, that's Dr. Bogota. But this is the entire team that was helping me. It's not all of them, but it's uh, the, 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 main, the, the main people who are handling cameras and so on. And, and so, so on that Sunday, I had to now preach. Note, I'm preaching to you now. I can see you. On that Sunday, I was preaching to the camera. No audience. No amen. No hallelujah. No ana. No etia. Nothing. Right? And I had to act like I'm anointed. <laughs> It was hard. But I remember when I prayed that day. I never forget. Let's have that picture, please. Get light closer. I remember when I prayed that day, the realization that came to my mind how much this service would carry the thousands of people who couldn't go to church that day. And how critical this service would be because not only were we on Soweto television, we were on, our, we were on Facebook, we were on YouTube, we were on our church website, and, and what else? We were on many, many platforms. And, 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 but then it was so uncomfortable preaching to a people I can't see. Preaching to the camera, and really sticking to, and then knowing that they are timing me down there, and, and, and I can't make mistakes, I can't fluff, and I don't even know what the feedback is, because you see, <laughs> at least I know, Ramon, up your game. These people, so Mola, I didn't even know. All right. So first Sunday was really, really tough. Second Sunday, really tough. But by the second month, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I, I was able to do that. But, but, but you see, crisis pushed me. What's this? And I had to learn to embrace change. See, I couldn't be stuck to how it used to be, the way it was. And some of you like to talk about the good old days. Hey, I'm here to tell you, learn from the good old days, but don't be tied to the good old days. You remember those days when Boroto in only five cent? Hey, it's not gonna happen again. So know this, vision will push you into what is new. Learn to embrace what is new. One of the big problems with religion and as religious people is that we are people of tradition and there's nothing wrong with tradition. Please don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with proven ways, but th there's a point where we need to be open to things that are new. Just like they do in the, in the circular. You know, Coca-Cola, I think it is the same, the same ingredients that they've had for years and years, but they, they change all the time the container, they change their advertisements. Do you, you all know that Coca-Cola is the top brand that is a, a, a fizzy drink in the world? Anywhere in the world, you go anywhere in the world, they have Coca-Cola. Anywhere in the world, and it's the number one, number one that it's, it's, it outsells everybody. But even if it's top brand, they keep on selling it to you in a different packaging. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So you need to understand something. Vision is going to push you into something new. Don't be afraid to embrace what's new. Don't be afraid to, to move into uh, uh, uncharted territory because that's what vision is going to do. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now, change is very hard to embrace because very often you are moving into things you've never done before. Right? Right? I mean, if you go to other countries, once I started traveling the world, you go to countries, it's, you know, when you go to South Korea, it's so hard because not, most people don't speak English there. Most people don't speak English. Yeah, most people don't speak English. So it's very difficult. Now, if you, if you, if you, if you have to take a, 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 an Uber, for instance, I remember once I, I was on an Uber and I'd gone with this guy to, 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 to the airport, what I was doing there. And then on the way, I had to go to the restroom. I had drunk too much water and I had to go to the restroom. So I'm trying to tell this guy, Ramona, I need to go to the restroom. But there's a language problem. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling I'm trying to tell this guy, hey, Munna, I'm trying, and I'm trying all my best. I'm using all expressions and he's just going, huh? 
Oh. Oh. And it's bad there because, you know, they are, they are very strict. In, they, when they give service in South Korea, they give service, all right? So, you know, you are in an Uber, you are sitting in the back. You are the VIP, yeah. No, 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 no. You sit in the back. So he's looking at me through the mirror. He's going, oh. oh. And I'm trying to tell him, and then I was concerned because we were driving in town and I knew in a short while we'd get on the highway. Now on the highway, there, there's, no, there's no ultra city on the highway. And God said, I'm going to go to Johannesburg, I'm going to go to you go to jail. Can't do that. So I don't know what happened to this guy. Finally, he was able to work out what I was saying. I don't know what I said, Linda, because I was saying all kinds of things. Finally, he looks at the mirror and says, huh? Tree? I won't show you the sign language he was using, okay? He said, hey, tree. I said, yeah, tree. He said, oh, tree. <laughs> so he turns the car, goes to this garage, and he points, he says, over there, tree, tree. And I went. Ha, <laughs> ha. Oh, Jesus. Oh, afterwards, when, we, when I came back into the car, he's busy driving. He keeps on laughing. Ha, 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 tree. <laughs> But you know, the discomfort of being in a place where it's, it's totally unfamiliar to you. You can't communicate. How do you move from one town to the other? And then what happens? If you are a person of safety and security, you'll stay one place. You will never explore. You'll never try anything. And I must challenge us South Africans. I'm finding as I look around the world, we are people who lack safety and security so much as compared to people around the world. We can only survive in a specific environment. And I think my argument is, particularly we who come from the township, come on guys, we didn't grow up with showers and, 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 and bathrooms. We, we, we grew up re washing, and, and I don't know if there's the right English, washing Oh, oh, better still, you go, you go to the tap outside. You know, anybody has ever done that? So we, we grew up in that environment, no bathroom, no anything. We were not rich people, right? We grew up in, some of us in poverty, some not. But, but then, but at the same time, we know what a jacuzzi is. Eh? So, so we know the vascom and we know the jacuzzi. Do you understand, Not having much food to having a lot of food. So our, our, our margin of adapting is wide. You can fit anywhere in the world. You know what it is to have to survive by candlelight, and you know what it is to have halogen globe lights around you, you know. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so vision will demand change. So embrace change. If you are someone of vision, do not be afraid to embrace change because vision is going to require change. It's going to push you into uncharted territory. Number two, vision is not for the faint-hearted. What do I mean by that? Vision needs a courageous heart. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. God is talking to Joshua and he's telling him about the journey that is ahead. He's telling him about the journey ahead. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, the Lord's, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, <laughs> the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, look at verse 2, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Thank you. Sorry about my nose leaking a bit here. Thank you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, let's paint this picture. Remember, Moses had led the children of Israel he done a great work, and now the children of Israel are on the verge of getting into the promised land. Moses passes on, and Joshua comes in as the new leader, okay? And God speaks to Joshua and states what is obvious. He, 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 he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua knew that. But I tell your neighbor, Joshua knew that. Tell them, Joshua knew that. Yeah. I mean, Joshua was aware of it. Or I tell your neighbor, Joshua was aware of it. Now know this. 
When you read the Bible, anytime certain expressions are used, for instance, when you look at the teaching of Christ, anytime Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, you better take notice. All right? You better take notice because he's trying to get something across to you. Now, in this instance, God tells Joshua what Joshua already knows. Joshua knew that Moses is dead. But why, why repeat it? Why repeat it? And, and, and here's the point. When God restates the obvious, it means that the obvious is not so obvious. Listen to that carefully. Listen to that carefully. God is speaking in a coded language to Joshua to indicate to him that when he says Moses is dead, it's not about the fact that Moses is dead, physically dead, but that you are stepping into a new era. And now that you are the successor of Moses, things under your leadership will not be the same as under the leadership of Moses. But God assures him, I'll be with you. Let's read it further. Let's read it with you. He says, he says, he says now therefore arise, go over this Jordan unto the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Keep on going. Verse 3, he says, every place that the sole of your fruit will tread upon, I have given it to you, as I've said to Moses. So God keeps referring back. This is what I said to Moses. Next verse, he says, verse 4, from the wilderness of Lebanon, and he tells them how far the land goes. Let's skip to the next verse because I'm, I'm rushing to another verse there. Verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I know God restates. He says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. God says, the only constant here is that I'll be with you. Mara, Moses is dead. Like I was with him, I'll be with you. You are in a new era. You are in a different era. The only constant is that I'll be with you. But the reality is that your journey will not be the same as that of Moses. Are you, are you there, Basalan? He says, I'll be with you. He says, I'll not leave you. I'll not forsake you. Then he starts encouraging him in verse 6. He says, be strong. Well, you're going to need to be strong for your vision. Are you there? Eh? Be strong and of a good courage. For to these people you will divide and inheritance the land which I sought to their fathers to give them. And then God repeats. He says it again in verse 7. He says, only be strong and not just courageous, but very courageous. Why do we need courage? Because, know this, vision is going to require a passionate, relentless pursuit for its fulfillment. Why? Because on the path of vision, there are many problems that arise on the way. And sometimes in the case of Joshua, let's paint the two scenarios, okay? Here's Moses, here's Joshua. God says, Bona Joshua, ne? as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. However, under the leadership of Moses, there's a number of things where we think Moses had it much better than Joshua. Under the leadership of Moses, the children of Israel, when they came to the Red Sea, they waited for God to part the Red Sea before they walked on dry ground. Under the leadership of Joshua, God says, when you get to the Jordan River to cross it, you must stick your feet in the running water before it stops running. And then he pauses and says, hi, God, I've been forward to, I'm still with you. But it's just that your journey is not the same as that of Moses because Moses is dead. Listen to this. Never compare your journey with somebody else's journey. Now, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You know, as a young pastor, this really used to bother me. Because when we went to pastor's meetings, you know, we would all share about what God is doing in our lives, you know. And then this pastor comes up and says, there's a member in my church who came and gave me their house. Hey. And then the other pastor comes up and said, it was my birthday, so they gave me a box. And when I opened this box, there was a, a key for a brand new car in the box. And I'm sitting there thinking, uncle, uncle, why? So never ever allow yourself to be distracted by how somebody else's journey turns out. God says, I am still with you. But what you must have is this courage. Be courageous. Be very courageous. 
Don't be faint-hearted. Don't be afraid. Face your journey. Have passion. Have a pursuit. Even if things under you will not be the same. Some of us, it takes us longer to get there. Someone may finish their degree in four years. It may take you 40 years. I mean, no. No. But how many of you know, on the, on the night of graduation, all they, they do is to recognize your achievement. They don't say, no, only this degree marriage. Ladies and gentlemen, it took him 10 years. No, they don't say that. Oksalayo unayo. Tell your neighbor, oksalayo unayo. So have that relentless pursuit for the fulfillment of the vision. Number three, vision demands commitment, devotion, and hard work. Oh. Many people have great dreams, great visions, but they don't, they don't want to put in the work required. Because what vision wants and what it requires is that you're going to have to work harder than everybody else. And, and sometimes you have to sacrifice for your vision more than everybody. If you are the visionary, if you are the vision bearer, you need to understand you'll have to work 10 times harder than other people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6, we note how Nehemiah led God's people into the vision of rebuilding the wall. The NIV Bible says, and the people worked with all their hearts. NIV. It says, so we built the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their hearts. If you don't work with all your heart, hmm, if you don't put your all to your vision, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. No, the, the New Living Translation says, so we, we build the wall, NLT, at last the wall was completed to have its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. You know, this is why it kind of surprises when certain people say, I want to do this matter. How, how was she ever born a Ramona? There's no, there's no life here. No enthusiasm. Even the way they speak, the way they talk, their commitment level. When you look at it, Wabona Ramoto, do they understand what it takes? To achieve what they say they're going to achieve. Do they understand what it takes? So you've got, to, you've got to commit yourself to God's service and demonstrate passion and devotion to what God has laid in your heart. You have to immerse yourself. You've got to be the last woman standing, the last man standing, the first to wake up, the last to go to bed. Oh my goodness. You have to throw yourself to it. My, 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 my. You can't just, oh, Sebet say enough. And sometimes you don't, you don't get any fruit back, no profit for, for the first 10 years. You pay out of your own pocket. I, I've seen people, who, they had to use their garage, they had to use their car until it was run down. They had to work hard, pay everybody without paying themselves. Just pay the workers, just to keep the work going and not pay yourself. It's hard work. Tell your neighbor it's hard work. Tell them again it's hard work. So vision demands commitment, devotion, and hard work. If you are not willing to pay that price of commitment, devotion, and hard work, vision will never be a reality. It will never be a reality. Number four, vision, for it to be fulfilled, it requires a dependency on God. Oh, I tell you, Vazadam. Why? Because much as we are the vision bearer, there are areas of our lives where we are limited. We've got personal faults. We've got issues. Though God can put people around us to help us, but we are the first patient that must clock into God's hospital to sort out. Because we've got those personal forces. For that reason, you need to pray for your vision. Pray over your vision. I use these words, marinate your vision in prayer. 
Immerse it in prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Depend on God all the time. Because there's a side to it, Barcelona, when things work out, when you look, you can tell, this really was not because of my effort. There's got to be a God factor somewhere. I don't know if I said this last week, but I was, I was watching, you know, with the World Cup in December, and, and I just enjoyed the World Cup. It was really nice, and I'm glad that uh, Argentina won. I know some of you, you wanted somebody else to win, but I'm, I'm glad that. And, I, and the only reason I like that Argentina won is because Nike favor Lionel Messi, you know. So Argentina just happened to be associated with him, you know. But I was looking at several videos where people were actually talking about him being the greatest of all times, the GOAT, you know, you know. And, 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 and one, of the, one of the guys who talked about him, who was a great soccer player, said something that was very outstanding. He said, you know, this guy works hard like all of us. And actually, he works harder than many of us. And he even works harder than some other soccer player, which I will not mention because I know some of you, you like him. I will not mention him. Mara, in a CR somewhere. So, in a I will not mention any names. All right. Yeah. So... But he said, but the difference between Ronaldo and this guy is that, uh, no, oh, I'm sorry, it's a slip of the tongue. No, 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 I'm just teasing. The difference between Messi and this other guy that we will not name were in church. He said, as much as both of them have a very high work ethic, they're the hardest working players. He said, you see them in the gym, you see them on the soccer field, these guys work hard. But he said, but when it comes to Lionel Messi, there's an extra something he's got. He said, this guy is gifted. He said, you, you don't understand sometimes when he has a soccer ball, what happens in his head? There's some, some extra something, something, something that comes on him. So what I'm trying to say by us is that, you know, we, 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 when everything is said and done, we all need that extra something, something, something. You understand what I mean? When God connects you with the right people at the right time, you know, do, do, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Where things just work out. So you've got to pray over your vision. Bring it before the Lord. Depend on God's guidance. Listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit because you need that extra something, something. You need what I like to call God coincidences. involved more Can I hear a good amen in the house? Can I hear a good amen in the house? I did tell you the story that, you know, when God impressed on my heart that we must start building this building, way back in the year 2000, you know, I had an impression in my heart. We had been waiting for an approval of documents for four years. I mean, since 1996, we had been waiting. All the documents had been processed. Everything was thumbs up. There was just this one document that was supposed to be signed, and it wasn't even a critical document. Some official had to sign this one document, and we'd been waiting for years, for years. So one day when I was praying, I felt led of the Spirit of God to say, approach the council, ask them to give you permission to build, you know, you know uh, provisionally. Whilst this official is getting to sign over four years. <clears throat> so they agreed. They said, all right. I mean, insofar as this is concerned, all the major things that have to do with uh, the, all the requirements, I will not go into them, you, you comply. Right? So we, whilst we're waiting for the signature, we give you this letter. Provisionally, you can start constructing. So we started construction 2000, we finished 2001, got into this building, dedicated it to the Lord, then they signed, then, we, then a year later we got the title deed. A week after we got the title deed, someone came here and said we have built on his site. Serious. And he wasn't speaking in nice Christian language. I mean, it was great triple A. I mean, he was. So we wanted to know what happened. Only to find out that there had been some whatever that happened, Kai Kai, that whilst we were processing the documents, he also was processing his documents for some reason. So we don't know what happened. We were not there. He delayed. I don't know how he delayed, but he delayed. And Bamashaya Shai. <laughs> and 
And then I realized, had we delayed? Huh? Had we delayed? If, if we didn't have the leading of the Holy Spirit to do what we did, had we delayed, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Just a small anyana, a small anyana impression that comes from the Holy Spirit. Just that one small anyana decision. Just, 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 just look at what it has translated into today. I see God guiding you and directing you in the same way. I tell you, when everything is said and done, we need God's intervention. Yeah. Depend on God. Depend on God. Depend on God. Number what? Number five. Vision will arrive in God's time. I love this one. Vision will arrive in God's time. Now, no, Bazan. This is important. Vision goes through a journey. Right? It gets conceived. It gets incubated. Then it gets born. Right? And the, the process in between the conception and the birth can be tricky for many people. And this is where a lot of people stumble and fall. Okay? Let, let me go. I know I didn't tell them at the back. Let me go to Habakkuk, please. I want to read that for you because it's important. Go with me to Habakkuk chapter 2 before Ecclesiastes 11. Habakkuk chapter 2. And I want to show you something because this is so important. Habakkuk chapter 2, at the back please. I would like for you to see that in the New King James Version Bible. It says, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tables, that he may run that rid of it. Note verse 3, it says, uh, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Somebody say appointed time. Amen. Say it again. The vision from a point of time says, in the end it will speak and not lie. Note what it says. It says, though it tarries, do what? Do what? Do what? Wait for it. For What will happen? I can't hear you. What will happen? Now, go to that scripture that they had up on the screen, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5. I was given this scripture to one of our members here in between services. So, Kileka said, hey, that one's. Note what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5 in the New Living Translation. Sorry, I'm still getting it at the back there. I want to show you something. As you do not know, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb. So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Keep that scripture there. Keep that scripture there. So, say, here it is, Barcelona. Here it is. God gives you vision. It gets born. Right? So you start putting into practice what you know, going about for the fulfillment of that vision. And like everything, eh? you have your plans, you have your whatever, you start, and it's almost like everything just dies after that. Yeah? You've put in applications, nobody's answering. You, 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 you are there as a service provider, no one is coming to you. Right? You've started a church, nobody shows up. Mara, you know God spoke to you. Come on now, talk to me, talk to me. You know God spoke to you. Right? Now, if you understand this point, you will continue doing what you are supposed to be doing. Because just like a baby in the womb, after conception, we don't actually get to see what's going on in the womb. But the reality is the baby is growing. The baby is developing. And there comes... What the scriptures here calls that appointed time. There comes that time where it's an appointed time. It is the right time when the baby is going to be born. Now, this is what most people don't understand. Life operates in a cycle. That's how everything is designed. Everything is cyclical. In the book of Genesis, when God spoke, he said, 
as long as the earth remains, right? <laughs> there will be what? Seed time and harvest time. Now, let me show you. So, when you plant seeds here, usually, the seeds that you plant go underground. Right? So, meaning, what you've done becomes invisible. Is there Marawebo? Are you understand what I'm saying? And that, you don't see it, it doesn't mean there is nothing happening. Are you there? Doesn't mean there's nothing happening. Doesn't mean there's nothing happening. So if you are a wise farmer, you don't go back after one month and dig it up and say, Kibata Obona. Or you don't change your mind and start doing something different because of the eyeball and the nicks. But that's what most people do. When, when vision doesn't happen, they stop the project, they start something else. But this verse tells us, just like a baby, and there's this mystery about a baby in a womb. Just like there's a mystery in the way the wind blows, it's the same mystery that's involved in the way God works. That when everything is underground and you don't see anything, God is at work. God is at work. So he says, if the vision tarries, he says, wait for it. Now, the word wait in the Bible doesn't mean wait like we met a bus or bus stop. The word wait speaks of a favorable expectation. That's what the word wait means. The word wait also involves spending time in the presence of God and praying over the process. In other words, I've done all that I should do. I've applied, I've spoken to people, I've put in my application, I have hired people, I have done that, I've already started, Mara, for now, unborn in tomb. There's nothing that I'm seeing, but I'm not going to stop, I'm not going to start speaking negatively, I'm not going to change and go elsewhere, I'm just going to wait in the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to stabilize myself, because I know that harvest time is coming. Not Bazalana, not Bazalana. When the harvest comes, nobody can stop it. And remember, the harvest comes in its own time, not in your time, it comes in its own time. Just like when the baby is born, then the baby gets born. So most people don't realize that when you move into a season of fruitfulness, uh, and things start working all of a sudden, I don't know if you've been there, where all of a sudden things start working. Joe, what you don't realize, it's only that you only see the fruit on the outside, but God has been working all the time. Am I talking to somebody in this house? God's working. God is working. So you move into those seasons where everything you meet people, the deals are going, your company is having record-breaking, whatever. Mara, he didn't start there. It's just a cycle. You are, in a, you are in a period of fruitfulness. But this fruitfulness, don't, don't separate it from the time of seed sowing. Don't separate it from the times of quietness. It's a journey. I'm saying to you, your vision will come to pass no matter how long it takes. No matter how long it takes. The vision is for an appointed time. Although it tarries, Wait for it. Yeah. Wait for it. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Let's have, let's have Habakkuk. Let's have Habakkuk on the screen. It says the vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarries. Let's have that Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, wait for it. Note, because it will surely come to pass. Why are we so certain about the fulfillment of it? Because when we comes from God, we are sure about it. I don't know if we've ever tried to check how long it took for the fulfillment of the promise of the birth of Christ. The very thing we are reading is the very principles that God operates by. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God said the seed of woman will come 
and crush the head of the serpent. That was a prophetic utterance about the birth of Christ. I don't know how many of you know the time period that elapsed between the Garden of Eden and the birth of Christ. Thousands of years. Thousands of years. Thousands of years. In fact, in between, a lot happened. Prophets would be raised by God who would come and prophesy. Isaiah would come and prophesy. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And, 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 and all of them would talk about Jesus to keep the dream alive. Ah, you're not hearing me. You've got to keep the dream alive. When you're not seeing anything, you've got to keep the dream alive. But then when you read those of you who are, you know, Bible scholars, you know, we went into a period that they call the Dark Ages. This is the, what we call the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was a period there where the voice of the Lord was no longer in the land. There were no prophets that were speaking. There was nothing that was going on. It all went quiet. It looked like vision will never happen. It looked like what God said will never happen. But God is not a man to lie. God is not the son of man to change his mind. God doesn't use useless and inoperative words. God says my words are life, are powerful. God's word will come to pass. He said as the, as the, as the rain comes down from, from the, the heavens and waters the earth, he says so shall my word be. It will never return unto me void. It will prosper wherever I've sent it. Listen, whatever God has said about you, it will come to pass no matter how long it takes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is why when you read the Bible, the, the, the rulers of the day were so shocked when they heard about this Jesus being born. Because they were taken by surprise. In fact, if you want to know it better, go to the book of Galatians 4. When Paul writes in Galatians 4, he says, and when the fullness of time had come, in other words, when the appointed time had come, because every vision has the fullness of time. Every vision has the appointed time. He says, and when the fullness of time had come, God brought forth his son. And there's nothing that Herod could do about it. There's nothing that the devil could do about it. And there's nothing that the devil can do about what God's going to do in your life. I see the fullness of time coming in your life. And Jesus was born in the fullness of time. And that fullness of time follows a period called the Dark Ages. Where there was no voice of the prophet. No voice. That, that's why some of you, when you thought everything is gone and you thought nothing is happening, all of a sudden something pops up that you don't know. It's like, okay, am, I, am I talking to somebody in the house? Yesterday I was talking to one of our church members uh, at an event I went to. And he was so happy, this guy. I mean, he could see tears in his eyes. And he says, he says, Bishop, for 10 years, I struggled with a job. 10 years. He says, I was never, ever employed permanently. It was just, you know, contracts, they short, they short. And I remember of these 10 years, we've talked with whatever, with whatever. And he said, hey, Bishop, I got a permanent job. <laughs> so I, I wanted to tease him. You know, he's a young guy. Ten years later. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, if somebody rejoice, may that be your portion. Though it tarries, wait for it. Wait for it. I need to wait for it. Don't wait for it. Don't be negative. Wait for it. Don't don't abandon it. Wait for it. Don't walk away from it. Wait for it. Don't say what is negative. Wait for it. Don't start blaming God. Wait for it. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your heart connected to God. Wait for it. Wait for it. It took us 18 years, Basalwana, to build this building. I became pastor in 1983. We came in year 2001. We started building in the year 2000. I think it's about 18 years. 18 years of a dream. 18 years of believing. 18 years of talking about vision. 18 years. 
And in these 18 years, you hear all kinds of stories. People say, people walk away, people criticize, people analyze. There are those who put us in their discussion papers and they made a feasibility study. We will not survive. Just wait on it. Just wait on it. Come on, somebody. Just wait for it. Wait on it. Wait on it. You, you have no time to be looking that way. Just wait for it. Because in the end, oh, oh, come on. In the end, it will speak. And you know what I've learned? It's not in my notes. You know, Eric Elephant Parcel, this is blessing you. Eric Elephant Parcel, I like it. I've noted as well that when the fullness of time comes, somehow God in His mercy buys back lost time. Come on, you must read the Bible and see what I'm talking about. God is able to buy back lost time. I see God buying back lost time in your life. I see God redeeming the time, buying back the time. Because it has come in God's timing. I see God giving you supernatural speed. Ah. Got to wait for it. Wait for it. Vision arrives in God's time. Let me close, Barcelona. When the time is right, God will unveil the vision. Not only will it come to pass, He will enable you to comprehend your vision, to help you grasp that vision, no matter your human incompetence. Because there are times when we look at what God is doing and we can't see what He's doing. And it doesn't make sense that he's working because everything seems out of place. Number six, vision requires focus. You can't be all over when you are a visionary or a focus. There's a famous preacher by the name of D.L. Moody, incredible preacher. That's what he said, and I quote, give me a man who says, this one thing I do and not these 50 things I dabble in. End of quote. In other words, we know in life that successful people are the people who don't do all everything, but they have found out a few things that they can do, and they do them well. Anywhere in the world, any field, people who stand out in any field, so people who are doing all kinds of things now, they have just a few things they do, but they do them well. Vision requires focus. There are people who have too many dreams, too many visions, too many things. When it doesn't work, and in the end, they are, they are busy, they are active, there's nothing to show for, for all of that. Rather have two things that you do well, that you can see the vision from conception to its birth. Many people abandon that vision in the midst of everything. They just walk away and leave it there. And so you meet the person, they've started so many things, Mara, there's not even one thing they've achieved. But they've got a lot of started projects. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you don't know anybody who did some of that. One more time, yet are not keep it off. And finally, vision demands perseverance. Perseverance. Note, Hebrews, I mean Habakkuk 2.2 2 tells us that the vision arrives in its appointed time. Very important. That expression, appointed time, means a designated time or a determined time. When God spoke to the children of Israel, the Jewish people, he was using a parallel that they knew about. He was extracting what they knew from their Jewish festivals because God had instructed that they need to have certain festivals or celebrations at certain specific times, appointed times specified times that came at regular intervals. This is the same word that was used 
for the tabernacle itself, that they were to go to the tabernacle and offer sacrifices at an appointed time. So God was telling them, there is always a designated time, and because there's a designated time, you need to persevere. You need to stay the long haul. Now note, I think I've said it before. I don't know if I said it previous in this session or I said it the other session. If I've said it, I'm 60 years old. I have the right to repeat what I said and say it like I've never said it before. Actually, I'm 62 years old this year, so I have that right. And you also have a right to act like you've never heard it before. <laughs> so you must say amen like, whoo, what a revelation. Please write this down. You will never build anything of substance if you have a hurried spirit about you. Let me say that again. You will never build anything of substance if you have a hurried spirit about you. Because everything that involves building needs perseverance. But note what it says. It says, for the vision is for an appointed time. But then it says, in the end, in the end, in the end, it will speak. And that word speak is a very interesting expression. It means to puff. It refers to breath. But it also means to fan as a fire or to kindle as a fire or to blow up as a fire. Note, it's almost like when you move into a period where vision goes into hibernation and there's nothing to show for all your hard work. <laughs> And from nowhere, we have Futumli. From nowhere, all of a sudden, it just pops out of the ground. And when it pops out of the ground, there's a certain intensity about it. There's a certain attitude about this. It burns and kindles. And when that vision comes, it breathes life into you again. It's an incredible thing when you get to a point where you see vision fulfilled. And so it was in the time of Nehemiah when they built the wall. It says, and the people worked with all their might. The people had their heart to work. And then it says, and we finished the wall. Uh, we finished the wall. And I see you finishing what God has given you in the name of Jesus. But you will need perseverance. You have to stay with your project. Stay with it. For the long haul. Make up your mind. I'm not going anywhere. Let me conclude. One preacher said something that blessed me. This is many years ago. 1982. I was listening to him preaching. And he was actually preaching from Ephesians chapter 6. And using that analogy of us being soldiers. You know, we're wrestling against Satan. And we have the armor on. And we are fighting with Satan. We have the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, and so on. And so he, he, he uses this figuratively. He says, you know, I was, I was in battle with the devil. And I was quenching all the attacks of the devil. But I was, uh, I was getting tired. You know, how many of you know here have been ever tired of, you know, you, you're tired of praying. You're tired of standing. You're tired. You're, you're just tired. I've been doing right, God. Marai, Senkatele, Manchentinigwe. So he says, I was at that period where I was really tired. And he said, you know, in prayer, I was, I was really complaining to God. So man, God, look, man, I've been quenching all these darts of the devil. I mean, he's tried to get me with sickness. He's tried to get me with disease. He's tried to get me with strife. And I've been quenching all these darts. And he said, God said something to him in his spirit. And I think this was such a great thing to hear. He said to him, son, it looks like you can't stand anymore. He said, no, I can't stand anymore. I'm tired. I can't put up a fight anymore. Then the Lord said to him, you know what? Instead of you trying to fight some more, <laughs> raise your hands and begin to praise me for the battle won. And... And he said, how can I raise my hands and praise you when I'm this tired? And he said, well, this, the Bible says in, in the book of Psalms, praise stills the avenger. Yeah. 
and it stops the enemy. And God said to him, remember, praise is the language of faith. You're not praising me because you see anything. You're praising me because you're depending on my word. But then God said something to him which for me was worth everything and I've used it since 1982. He said to him, son, note this. When the greatest pressure comes on you to give up, that is a good indication that the devil has fired his last shot. Ah. So, if you can just hold on one more day longer, your victory is around the corner. Ah, somebody give the Lord a shot. And you know what? Since I heard that in 1982, to date, I can tell you it's true. I'm telling you. Why? Because even when you read the Bible, People's greatest victory came after the worst attacks. Watch. Because sometimes when the enemy is attacking you, he is not attacking you because of who you are. He is attacking you because of what God wants to do in your life. So the higher the attack, the stronger the attack, it should give a sign to you that there is something that's bigger that's on the other side of the attack. And if you understand that, it gives you one more reason to persevere and say, I'm going to hold up. In our church, Barcelona, all, all the time, when we've gone through the most difficult time, post that most difficult time, was the greatest victory. Yeah. So I've learned now, when the greatest pressure comes on me to give up. That's a, that's a prophecy. That's a good indication that the devil has fired his last shot. No, Bazalan, when you persevere, hang on. You don't have to try and fight anymore. You must just stand your ground. In fact, the book of Ephesians says, having fought to a stand still. It says, having fought to a stand still, stand. Mario are standing still and you're not going anywhere. But in that state, you lift up your hands to God and you thank God for the victory. Can I hear a good shout in the house? Can I hear a good shout in the house? And so as I close, I want you to know that what God has said about you and the vision that God has given to you will come to pass. Whether the devil likes it or not will come to pass. It may take one year. It may take two years. It may take 18 years like in our case. I don't think it will take that long. It will surely come to pass. If God has said it, God will take you through. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Look at the last scripture there. I I should have read this one. Nehemiah 2.20. Nehemiah 2.20. I love this one. Nehemiah 2.20. It's a good one. So I answered them. This is after uh, two people, you remember, uh, uh, who were trying to tell Nehemiah things won't work. You remember, you remember who they are? Sanballat and Tobiah. Because there's always a Sanballat and Tobiah somewhere who's going to try and tell you that it's not going to work. So Utla, what he says, he says, so I answered them, Sanballat and Tobiah, and I said, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage and no right. So I'm here to tell you, the God of heaven is going to help you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes as we pray. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Here's the reality. It all starts with God. It all starts with a life given to God. A life committed to God. It starts with you having given off your all to God. Living for Him. 
as Savior and Lord of your life. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. If you're here today and you say, you know, Bishop, my life is not pleasing before God. I know it. But as I've been listening to the word of God, I realize that there's hope for me. I realize that God is interested in my life and God is able to change me and make me a different person. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want to pray for you. If you say, please pray for me. I want to invite Christ in my life to be my Savior and my Lord. Please pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my heart, change me and make me a child of God. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand, please, if that is you and you need prayer? Just raise it high where you are. Just raise it high. I want to pray for you. Thank you for those hands. Raise it high. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even those of you who are in the overflow hall, just raise your hands right there because there's somebody there in the youth hall who's going to help you. May I ask all the people who raise their hands, would you stand on your feet, please? I want to pray for you. Just stand on your feet. Raise your hand. Just go ahead and stand on your feet, please, right where you are. Just help them, please. Just help the young lady. Just stand on your feet, young lady. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you why I'm asking you to stand on your feet. It's because I want to pray with you. We want to make a public declaration that today our lives takes a different route. We invite Christ in our lives to change us. All right, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. You can, you can put your hands down now, but I'm going to invite you, please, to come from where you're standing. Take all your belongings. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. Please take it in your hands and just walk all the way to the front. Even people in the foyer, the ushers will help you. Walk to the front. Those of you in the youth hall, please walk to the front of that building. Walk to the front of that building in the youth hall. Give them a big hand, please, as they walk. Give them a big hand. Come, young man. Come stand here right facing me. That's right. That's right. 